Good morning. Everybody glad they're here today? Yeah. That was just powerful worshiping together. Isn't it good to be together with other believers exalting our God? And boy, I do look forward to that day when we stand with heroes of our past and we get to stand with our resurrected king. Uh, boy, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. It's been a great weekend for me and many others. We traveled to Western Maryland. Those are my stomping grounds where I was born and raised and a childhood friend owns a piece of mountain property that he lets us go to and get away. And um, it was an incredible weekend uh, to spend time with men and to be challenged and affirmed and encouraged and supported. the mountain is beautiful. The Potomac River is an incredible place to canoe down. There were multiple father and sons, adult sons, that went on this trip. I was blessed. Uh, our younger son, Isaiah, joined me. And we had a, just a great father-son time together. We made the trek home quickly. Um, and um, when I arrived here, uh, unbeknownst to me, my Jeep commander had sticky notes on every single glass window of my car. There wasn't one square inch that wasn't covered. And uh, you know what? They don't come off very easily either. <laughs> so I just went to swipe them off. I mean, every, every square inch. And I just decided I'm just going to drive home with them on. So I cut a hole this big like you do with ice sometimes, you know, you're, you're in a hurry. Figure I'll just do the same thing. I've done this so many times in my life, running behind and just drove home, there might be, there might be a trail of pink, yellow, blue, pink, blue, green on my way home somewhere. So if you travel, um, blame it on them for putting them on my car. (laughs) As we get to the end of this journey in the book of 2 Timothy, it's a beautiful story of a man, 62 to 68 years old. These are the last words that are recorded. These, These are the words of his 13 writings This is the last thing that Paul would ever pen to pages. Wouldn't be very long after this that he would die a martyr's life. Most likely he was beheaded. What would be his final words? What would he say to young Timothy besides Timothy, come the 1,457 miles and join Luke with me and bring Mark and send greetings. What would you say in your final parting words? And The truth is this, this book is one picture of serving. Rich satisfaction comes in serving the Lord. When I was a young kid, my parents um, taught us a lot of good truths. And I am the person I am today because of my, my, my mother and my stepfather and my dad, and they poured truths into us. And some of these truths have even spilled over with our children as Ann and I raised them. But my mom would say this to me often. She would say, Jimmy, you earn your keep. And what she meant by that was make your life valuable, make your life worthwhile so that where you're at, you're not just being a dead dog along the side of the road, you're making the place you're at a better place. So she would say, earn your keep. And I watched them. I grew up in um, Hagerstown, Maryland, and my folks served in the local church. 
And I would watch my, my stepfather, he would go out, he was in prison ministry, and he would go out on Tuesday nights, and he would visit the jails and share the gospel at the jails. And then I would watch him, they had visitation once a month where they would go knock on doors in the community, and they would go out in twos. And my stepfather would go out and knock on doors and share the gospel. I watched him serve as a trustee. He was mechanically inclined and could do about anything, and he taught me a lot of those same skills. That's why I can turn wrenches, and I was a carpenter for 10 years and built homes. But he would use those gifts in the church. And so when a project would arise, my stepdad would be there and he would bring me alongside of him and serve. I watched my mom teach Sunday school. I watched her sing in the choir. In fact, she used to set up in the choir when I was misbehaving up in the front row. And you ever get that look from your mom in the choir? It's like, oh boy, I'm gonna get it when I get home. I can remember mom. And she would serve in the church. She, would, she could cook. And so when there was meals to be given to people of need, she would cook meals. I spent my whole life watching my parents serve and they would tell me, there's no greater joy as a parent than to watch your own kids grow up as adults and serve the church so that they can earn their keep too. As Paul gets near the end, he's remembering these people who earned their keep, who served the local church. And he's going to remind us that rich satisfaction comes in serving the Lord on the way home last night from Wild at Heart I was in the vehicle with Randy Gingrich and Pastor Mike and our son Isaiah. And, and on the whole way home, there was a grin on my face and on Mike's face because we saw what God did in men's hearts and lives this weekend. And, and so we kept reflecting the stories. And, and then I came home and, and I was telling Ann and she was ready to receive me. And then she was telling me how she was serving yesterday. And she had spent time this week with Tanya Myers and, and collecting. She says, tell me, Jim, what to play? And I said, well, tell me. And, and so we both went to the bed like this. Why? Because when you serve the Lord, there's rich satisfaction in that. Grab your Bibles and I'll show you what I mean and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 16 to 22. I'm going to ask you to stand as we read this out loud. 2 Timothy 4, verses 16 to 22. So give you context. Think about this. These are the last words that Paul ever took his pen and put on pages. He's speaking to young Timothy who is 1,457 miles away. Luke is with him, and he wants him to bring Mark. But in his final words, he says this. Read 16 to 22 with me. Ready, read. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever, amen. Greet Priscilla and Aquila in the household of Anesiphorus and Erastus stayed in Corinth. I left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, and so do Prudence, Linus, and Charlie Brown. I want to say that every time. And, and Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters, the Lord be with your spirit, grace with you all. You may have a seat. Evidence of our faith is found in serving the one who saved us. Let that run over through your mind a couple of times. Evidence of our faith is found, where is it found? It's found in serving the one who saved us. 
This entire book that we've been going through, this is the 10th message as we wrap up 2 Timothy, it's a handbook for serving. It's a man who's 62 to 68, passing down what he knows before he dies to a young Timothy who's 30 years old and saying to him, dude, get in church, serve your church. This is how you should do it. He reminds him though that there'll be many ups and downs. It'll be hard, it'll be difficult, it'll be painful. You will be opposed. You might even be shipwrecked. You might even be lashed. You might even be beheaded, but it's worth serving the God who saved you. Serving keeps our hearts and minds on what's most important. It just does. And, and seriously, as you age and as I age and, and as you stand at the, the, the casket of hundreds of people like I have, I've never been to a funeral where the possessions of the person that they have and all their achievements was in a casket beside them. You know what's at funerals? People, relationships. The most important thing that we ever have in resources is people. In fact, there's only three things that last forever. The three in one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The word of God and people last forever. And so if that lasts forever, why, want, why wouldn't we invest in what lasts forever? Just this weekend um, with men, I cried with them, I laughed with them, I sat in pouring down rain and didn't want to budge an inch because Mark Beer was sharing his heart and it was powerful, powerful. And every man sat and would not move because the Spirit of God was all over that mountain. I paddled down the canoe, Potomac River, with our younger son Isaiah. It was an incredible time with him as we talked and we conversed and we talked about life and what we were learning that weekend. And we came back first, which was fun too. Anyhow, it was just. Um, but I bantered with men. They gave me a hard time and I gave them a hard time and I came back a better man because I had the chance to serve. And in verse 16, Paul says this, just unpack this again, look what he says. He says, at my first offense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me, but watch how he ages with grace. May it not be held against them. This veteran missionary says, may it not be counted against them. It comes from a man who understands what serving is about. It's not to gain the attention of man and the applause of man. It's to gain the attention of God and to please him. It comes from a man who fully understood grace and his own struggle with sin, yet marveled at the majesty of how grace has changed his life. My hope has been this, and I've said this on many occasions, but I really mean this with all my heart. My hope is this, that those of you who have been with me a while, and this is my hope. As I age, I don't want to become harder, as some do. I want to become softer. And I want to have a courageous spirit, but with a deeper understanding of the grace of God and say, ah, but for the, gra but for the grace of God, I would be lost and headed to hell. Paul understood this and he tried to describe it to us probably in one of the most conflicting, powerful passages of him trying to unpack sin. Just hold your finger here and look at Romans chapter seven. He would write this in a time in his life where he was disturbed with the way he was sinning and not understanding why he was. And, and he says this, look at Romans seven. This is a man who truly understood the struggle with sin. And in Romans chapter seven, in, in fact, all of us, 
we could insert our names here instead of I. We could say me or put your name or Jim. And look at Romans 7, verse 14. Paul says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. He said, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. You ever been there? But, I, but what I hate, I do. And if what I do, and he says, and what, do, what, what I do not want to do, and if I do that, think of this, this struggle. He said, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil that I do not want to do. He said, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's sin living in me that does it. And he wraps it up, he says, so I find the law at work. I, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. You ever feel that way? For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within me. And then he says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then he remembers. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Can I get an amen for that? Can you see the struggle? Like how many times you do, man, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I want to do it. I don't want to do that, but I do it anyhow. It's just constant struggle. But it's this man who gets to the end and finally realizes Ah, but for the grace of God, I'd be doomed. He really understands what it means to be a follower of Christ. His vertical orientation with his Savior left no room in his heart for his horizontal bitterness towards people. And he had people who had departed him, but he says, I don't count it against them. Why? Because he knew his own heart that he had fallen to and had failed. You see, he knew who he was. And when you know who you are, you live differently, right guys? When you know who you are, you live differently. So he says this, look what he says. He says, in light of that, verse 17, it says, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. He says, if I have learned anything from serving the Lord, here it is. God will never leave you nor forsake you. In fact, he will deliver you. And there's no greater comfort to be known than to know that no matter where you go, God is with you. In addition to this, he understood from a lifetime of service that God would provide even if death was his verdict. God's way is the best way and might not be the way that you want. He expected God to rescue him from every evil deed, but not from life himself. In Philippians, he said this, to live is Christ and to die is what? Gain. See, Paul had a unique perspective that this wasn't home. 
He knew his citizenship was in heaven. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. I think the struggle is no longer with our identity in Christ. It's with a citizenship issue. We forgot that we're from another place and we try to attach ourselves to this. And all life long as we walk through earth, we keep saying, I don't fit, I don't fit. And I want to say, you're not supposed to fit in here. Life takes on new meaning as we take and make our final turn in life. Possessions matter less. I could care less about possessions. But relationships mean the world to me. And serving others is the best way to look like Jesus. Paul realizes that. There are times when I leave campus here at Grace and, 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 and I head south to New Paris and and I watch people that serve around here. I have an inside view of people who serve here at Grace. And there are times I, I, I drive away and I see people who serve behind the scenes who never make it to a stage or never get their picture or portrait taken and they never ask for it. And I think, that's the picture of Christ. There's times I've left and I've seen Dustin Martin on our mower with the, the big tractor and it's about a 12 foot sweep that he goes out across. But, and you'll see him mowing. By the way, the grass just doesn't get cut by itself. We have someone that volunteers and helps out with that. And I watch him, and then I watch beside him. There are his sons, and they're on a mower beside him. There's dad, there's the son. And the kid's 10 years old, 8 years old, mowing right beside him. So that's the picture of servanthood that Paul is talking about in 2 Timothy. Paul has such a heart for people, and as he gets near the end, he's remembering, he's saying, man, remember Claudia, and, and remember, and, and Linus, and, and say hi to Eubulus, and Trophimus, and he's, all these names, and the reasons he's naming these names is because he had relationships with them, but through them, the message that he was given, he wanted people to be saved. His mission was clear, speak the gospel as long as you're alive. Paul related sufferings in his own life as temporary because Jesus would take him to a kingdom called heaven. He longed for people to know Jesus even if he died doing it. Where do you get that kind of passion for lost people? Can I ask you a real personal question? Are you more riled up today because someone had dandelions in their yards and you didn't? Do you get more riled up over potholes? Do you get more riled up over traffic bumper to bumper? Are you more riled up about referees who made bad calls or your children's sports playing time or mask and vaccinations and gas prices than you are of someone going to hell? Passion for the law stems from being disturbed about something. As Paul gets to the end, you see that surfacing. It keeps piling up, and finally he gets to the end, and he's just, he's reminding Timothy, this is what's most important. Serve. Serve your God. I would say it this way. Jesus went through way too much for us to be more concerned about our comfort than a soul going to hell. The greatest gift you can ever give someone, and this whole book is a picture of that, is Jesus Christ. The most precious gift that you can give your family is Jesus. This weekend, we were gathered with men in Western Maryland, and as we were there in one of the sessions, one of the early sessions, there was a guy seated beside me. His name was Wyatt, and I'll protect his name, and he can tell you his story, but I'll give you a paraphrased version. It was the first time he had come to grace in any gathering that we have ever had. Young guy, sharp guy just moved from Goshen, Connecticut 
to work in Goshen, Indiana. His story's amazing. It was, it was amazing, God act. But in any case, he was there, and I remember, I was sitting in one of our sessions, and the Spirit of God prompted him, I said, Jim, you need to talk to him. You need to talk to him. I could see in his actions and the way he was responding, and I watched him inquisitively listen to the teaching times, and the Spirit of God said to me, Jim, you need to talk to him before you leave this mountain. That man needs Jesus Christ. And so I was excited. Through the years, God has given me opportunities, and if you spent time with lost people, you began to see similar patterns of longing. He was seeking, he joined us, and, and long story short, after one of our teaching sessions, he got into a small group gathering, and the leader of that group came back and said, Jim, 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 Jay Byler came to me, Jim, Jim, guess what? He said, he said, Wyatt gave his life to Christ. <laughs> and it happened in community, and so then what happened next I saw men gather around him and they embraced him, gave him high fives. And, and then I, I watched this. I watched this another guy come alongside of him and it was, it was holding on, man. It was a bro hug. I mean, it, was, it wasn't pop, 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 pop. It was. <laughs> and I saw tears running down his face and it was Tony Bontrager. You see, here's the backstory for Tony Bontrager and Wyatt. Tony is Wyatt's boss at work. And Tony saw that Wyatt was lonely and wasn't connected, and he invited him to Wild at Heart. And because he invited him, Wyatt heard the gospel and got saved. Now hear me out, praise God, praise God for that. Yeah, praise God. You see, he knew why he was here. And then I watched that embrace, and I'm telling you, they held on. And they knew what had taken place, and had Tony never reached out, Wyatt would still be going to hell. Where do you get that passion? You pray and you remind yourselves of what you've been saved from. In fact, Paul understood this. In fact, he, he's trying to tell Timothy in this letter, just keep your finger here. Now, look, look at Romans chapter nine. Here is a man who understood his mission of serving why he was here. Look at Romans chapter nine. Please turn there, open your Bible. Come on, follow along with me. Romans chapter nine and verse three says this. This is Paul. This is what he's saying about his passion for lost people. He says in Romans chapter nine, verse three, for I could wish... There it is. For I could wish that I myself were what? What's your Bible say? Cursed. Look, look again. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and what off? What's it say? Cut off from whom? Christ. For the sake of my people, those of my own race. Here's, here's what he's saying. If it were possible, by the way, you can't, you can't lose your salvation. You're firmly saved. God's never going to... That eternal grip's going to hold on you. There's been a genuine conversion to Christ. There's fruits that's hanging from you. Listen to me. He, he will never let you go. He'll never pluck you out of hand. But he said, if it were possible, if it were possible for me, if I, if I was able to give up my salvation, I would be willing to do that for my own family. Who would ever do that? Someone that understood how good it is to know Jesus. Serving God with others builds rich, lasting relationships. I'm afraid that we live in an entitlement world. It's every age. It's not a young age or an old age. It's all the ages. And all of a sudden, the whole world that we live in, we're entitled to that. We, we, we need to have that. If I can't have that, then, then something's wrong. We've, instead of serve, we think we deserve 
but godly friendships are forged, forged while serving together. Look what he says here. Look at these people you've never even met. He said, greet Priscilla, uh, Timothy, and Aquila. And they, they were with him in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 and 3 at Corinth. And, and if you read about them, Romans chapter 16, verses 3 to 16, he said, Priscilla and Aquila, and there was no greater joy than to serve with them. As he's getting near the end, he says, Erastus stayed in Corinth. He's serving the Lord. I left Trophimus sick. And if you study, he was sick from serving. He, and he says to Timothy, do your best to get here before winter. But Eubulus greets you, someone to serve with me. So do Prue and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers and sisters, as he gets near the end, he's remembering those who served with him. Serving God in the local church builds rich, lasting relationships. Mike, Pastor Mike and Pastor John and I would sit together during sessions and after sessions, and I can't tell you how many times Tears running down our face, and we're telling us, "Did you see what God did? Did you did, did you hear that? Did you did?" We had so much joy watching God unpack His power in men's hearts. I tell people I don't serve at Grace Community Church and the pastor of Grace Community Church for 25 years. I don't tell people about Jesus because I get paid to do it. I did that before I came to Christ. There's great joy. Through the years, I've received many emails, texts, phone messages, and our family has been tremendously blessed for 25 years. You see, when we came here, our oldest son was four, our daughter was two, our younger son, Isaiah, wasn't even born. And by God's grace, you have poured into them. I mean, they are the adults they are today because of things they've learned in children's ministries and, and, and youth ministries. And you know what's happened to them? They, they're serving. Because we would speak into them the same thing that my mom spoke into us. Earn your keep, earn your keep. Don't just be a sitter, be a server, be a server. There's great joy in serving. And then to watch your adult kids grow up because they understand what they've been given and to serve there's no greater joy outside of your kid coming into Christ than to watch your kids serve in the local church. There just isn't. Because they want someone to get what they have. The greatest God moments in our lives come with serving. Just ask any of our youth chat group leaders who sit with junior high and senior high youth on Wednesday night. Just ask them sometime, what's it like to sit with them and they bare their hearts and you will see grins across their faces. Just talk to anyone who built a cardboard boat for Fight Club this past week. Just ask any Kid City volunteer who's watching your children right now while you're being able to be taught during this service. Just ask any single mom or dad who's had a hard week and can barely make it to church on Sunday, but they want to be fed and they're hungry and they're weary and they're tired and they can come and they can, they can hand off their kids for, for, for 80 minutes so they can be fed. Just ask them how valuable it is for someone serving their kids. 
Just ask any woman who's ever served in women's ministry, who, who's led a Bible study or shared their heart and, 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 and unscripted and, and, and has had to stage, talk about mental health and, and been in small groups and, and served. Just, just, just sit with any leader who said, man, can you believe what we just heard? I was able to take what I've learned and help. The, there is a grin underneath the pain of life. And so Paul's at the end and he's remembering. Isn't that what we do? I mean, I, honestly, I don't remember any funeral I've ever been to, ever, and hundreds that I've done, where there's been casket after casket after casket of things beside them. The room is full of people. <laughs> because that's the most important thing. And Paul is saying they are important. <laughs> I mean, look at him. He's saying Priscilla, Aquila, Anesiphorus, Erastus. Look at Trophimus, Prudence, Linus, Claudia. Let me ask you a question. Would your name be written in Scripture for serving God? Or have you just become a taker? There's great joy in serving the Lord. And as our son, as Isaiah Brown and I rode down the Potomac River together for an hour and a half and conversed and talked about life and what God was doing in his heart, it was precious. It would have never happened. We had a moment this weekend where there were chances for guys to take a white flag and make a flag with zip ties and, and put it on a pole. And we, it was a tremendous moment as we capped off our Friday night gathering in the dark. And, and unbeknownst to any man here, do you know how you got those flags? I knew I wanted to make some flags, so Mike and I got some sheets that we used for communion to cover tables. And we went back there and we think, man, I can't cut these things, man. They're, they're and so Gunner walks in, Gunner Beck walks in. He says, hey, what's going on? I said, we're going to cut some flags. He says, well, I'll help you. So he cuts and he says, what are you going to do with this? I said, well, I'm going to put it on a post. That we're going to whittle while we're there these three foot sticks and, and we need to zip tie. Well, I'll get zip ties. You see, if Gunner didn't cut the sheets and get the zip ties, we wouldn't have had that God moment on the mountain in Western Maryland. <laughs> Can I give you eight good reasons to serve the church? You know, even when I was a college student, we got some college students with, even when I was a college student at Grace College in 1986, met my wife there, all of our older kids, all of our kids graduated from Grace College. My parents always instilled in me, get plugged into a local church, serve the church. Here's eight good reasons why you should serve the church. There's a thousand of them, but let me give you just eight of them. The first one, this, write them down because you'll forget them. God created us to serve. How do you know, Pastor Jim? Ephesians 2.10 says this, we are created to do good works which he has prepared in advance for us to do. God has a job description for your life already. You and I were created to do good works which he has prepared. So punch in and punch out every day for Jesus. In other words, there is something undone that needs to be done by us. Wouldn't it be crazy if we just put hiring signs out in front of churches? <laughs> like everywhere you go, we need people to work. Wouldn't it be strange if you showed up tomorrow morning or tomorrow night at work and you came in and you, 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 you have a job at an RV factory and you came in and you sat in the break room and drank coffee and ate donuts all day and your boss comes in and says, what are you doing? Hey, I'm just chilling. <laughs> but if this is the only place that you remain, if this is it, if this is it, you come after Sunday after Sunday, 
And those of you watching online, if that's the only seat that you have is your couch or your TV in front of you or your monitor, if that's it, listen, if that's all you're doing, then all you're doing is sitting in the break room and drinking coffee and the world's going to hell. Jesus has created you to do good works. There are works undone that need to be done in Jesus' name. Secondly, another reason. Salvation isn't the end of our journey, it's the beginning of it. Isn't that what Luke 19.10 says? Jesus came to seek and save the lost. If that's his mission, that's our mission. The job description changes when we come to Christ. We have a new master and his name is God. (laughs) By the way, let me ask you something. When you got saved, did you get beamed up to heaven immediately? (laughs) No, why? Because there's work to do. We don't come to Christ and go to the break room. No, we come to Christ. Now we're followers of Christ. We live like Jesus. There's a world out there that needs Jesus. There's a five-year-old kid that his dad just left him and, and mom's home alone with three sisters and a son and he needs to hear Jesus and his name was Jim Brown. And because someone served, I'm standing here today as a minister of the gospel in the state of Indiana. We don't run to the bench once we become a teammate of God. Thirdly, we are his final plan to do the work. Didn't Jesus say in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, go ye there and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son. And didn't he say you have a job description If we don't do it, no one else will. We're his last plan. In the Old Testament, it was prophets and kings who told about the coming Messiah. And then then there were were major prophets and minor prophets. Hey, watch out, the Messiah is coming. So they were the voice calling out of the wilderness. In the New Testament, we got Jesus, he showed up, and his disciples, they were pointing people to the way. And that's what the gospel is. They're saying, there's a man coming. There he is, Jesus is the way. And then Jesus came, and it says for three years of his life, he ministered. And then it says, he was ascended to heaven. Guess who's left? You and me. We are the last plan. If we don't tell people about Jesus, then no one will. We're his final plan. The church should have the best service department in the world. Can I ask you a question? When you choose your favorite place to go to, to shop or to eat, what's one of the primary reasons you like to go there? They have great what? Service. Can I ask you another simple question? If you had to choose between McDonald's and Chick-fil-A, which one would you go to? Chick-fil-A. Why? Why? Because of what? Service. Service. There are 150,000 people in Elkhart County who do not claim a church. Suppose they showed up to Grace Community Church. We got a great product here called Jesus Christ. Suppose that they stood in line with their kids and said, there's no more room because we don't have workers. We don't have anything for the teens because no one wants to serve. They just want to sit on the bench and drink coffee and eat donuts. Have you ever been to Walmart late at night, by the way, and tried to shop? And then you decide when you go at late at night, everyone else thought that was a good idea to go late at night? 
And you're happy because you can find your stuff. I mean, you can go on your phone now. You can even search up. And it tells you the owl number. By the way, maybe you didn't know that. You do a little search in Walmart, local. And hey, I need this. I can go to 836. I don't even, like, I don't even need anybody anymore. Just there's the owl, and it's there. You'll be doing it now. Then go there, and there it is. And I put it in my car. It's like, whew, man, that was so easy. And then you walk up front with your car. Man, that was, and you go up there, and you're looking for a register that's open. And it's like, one register? And you got 17 people in line. What's wrong with that picture? We need help. The service is horrible. They got a great product. In fact, they got 200,000, 200,000 square feet of it. People will soon put their carts and leave them by the side because they don't have good service. The church should be the best service department in the world. Fourthly, he rewards those that serve him. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this, we will receive what is due us for the things done. There it is, there it is. We will receive what is due us for the things done. It's the Bema seat. One day we'll stand before God. Believers, we're not judged for our sin. We are judged and rewarded for the things we have done. It says he will give to us, he will award us for the things we have done. Romans 12, 10, 12 says we must give an account. All right, I'm, I'm gonna speak to single ladies right now who aren't married and are looking for a, a godly dude. Let me give you some tips. First, make sure he has a Bible. Secondly, make sure he's got a job. Thirdly, hear me out. Make sure he serves the local church. Hear me out. Let me, let me tell you something. If he's not serving God's house, he won't serve you or your house. Do you hear me? He won't lead you. You'll be dragging him everywhere. He won't serve you. He wants to be served. If the man that you're interested in, he might be cute and he might have that smile and that little twinkle in his eye. If you don't have a Bible, he, don't have, he doesn't have a job and he's not serving the church, listen to me. Run. Run as fast as you can. Come on, adults, am I right? Am I right? Yeah. No, 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 listen. How many of you dudes right now, you're married. You haven't served the church right now. You're hating me. I don't care. You're in the truth. And wives, save your elbows for later. It's the truth. If you're not serving the church, why are you going to serve her? Why are you going to serve your home? You're just going to have her serve you. That's what you've been used to. You've come and you sat and you've drank your coffee and ate your donuts and you're gonna get married. You're gonna come and say, hey, can you get that? Can you get that? Can you do that for me? You won't want anything unless you are served. I told Mike earlier, we're not even gonna marry people anymore unless the husband's servant or the fiance's serving the local church so don't come to us. <laughs> Five, we'll move on. Number five, joy fills our hearts when we serve him. Do you remember in Luke chapter 10 and verse 17, it said they went out in twos, 72 people went out, they were sent out. And it says they came back filled with joy because they were serving the Lord. I'm, I'm gonna show you something very simple here. In fact, today, on the front of our bulletin, just look, look at your bulletin. This guy's name, you might not know him. 
His name is Andrew Creekmore. You know what he does? He comes here week after week and he parks you. And if you've ever run into Andrew, he loves parking people. And if you've ever seen him, it's like this. Why? Because he's serving the Lord. And let me tell you something. If Andrew wasn't in the parking lot, this is the first impression for those of you, first time you've come to Grace. If he didn't park you and give you good service, you might not ever come back. And because he parks people, they get to hear about Christ and come to know Christ. Are you serving the Lord? There's great joy when you serve the Lord. Six, in light of what Jesus sacrificially did for us, how can we not give back? Isn't that what Paul said in Romans 12? Present your lives as a living sacrifice. I would say it this way. Here's, here's how I would say that. I just, I'm pretty practical. I would say this. The rent we owe on earth is service. Coming to church does not do God a favor. We received his favor when he gave his life for the church. In return, we show him we're grateful by serving the church he died for. The rent we owe is our service to the church. By the way, these chairs that you're sitting on today, I don't know if you knew this, but six o'clock in the morning on Sunday mornings, men and women come in and they set these chairs up every week. And after the third service, when you leave, I don't know if you knew that, these chairs are stacked in groups of eight and they're pushed to the sides. Why? Because there's an open gym in here. We open up our church for basketball Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., 6 a.m. p.m. to 9 p.m. at night, and even the afternoons. There's a track around our 13 laps is a mile. We have people from the community that are running and walking and playing basketball. We have a men's workout facility, a women's curve facility. We have treadmills and we have elliptical machines because we believe God lives in us. We want to give him the fittest body to live in. But you know how that happens? There are volunteers. They show up at 6 a.m. They come in on Sunday morning and you get to hear the gospel in these cool padded chairs because someone showed up at 6 a.m. Have you ever said thank you to that person? No, no we do. We just run to the coffee room. Sit down, man, this is good. Feed me, feed me, feed me. We are called to serve. We have a park just south of our building, all to our building, and people all week come, and Georgia Bateson oversees that, and, and, and parents bring in their kids, they're worn out, and when it's a snowy or a rainy day, they come and the kids just go run and jump on the trampolines and hike. It's the largest indoor park in, a, in America, and they come for free, and there's coffee, and they sit and talk to moms and dads, and, and meanwhile, you know how it happens? Volunteers. You know what their role is? Here, here's what they do when the kids come. They smile. You can do that. Serving, number seven, makes your life valuable. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Your labor is not in vain. In fact, he said, listen, listen here's what the Bible says. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Let's listen, listen. This isn't Jim words. These are, these are Jesus words. Always give yourself to the work of the Lord. Nothing matters more than that. Are you always giving yourself to the work of the Lord? Number eight, serving is evidence 
of who you love the most. Your calendar appointments reveal the love of your life. Is it filled with you (laughs) and your hobbies and your interests and your getaways and your passions that have nothing to do with Jesus? If no one serves the church, then how can the church be the hope of the world? Jesus gave his life for the church. Let me close with what I began with, with this thought. Rich satisfaction comes in serving the Lord.